For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, what's up, Colts fans? Welcome back to the Believe in Indianapolis Colts podcast. I'm your host, Jake Arthur, here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Never miss an episode of the show by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd love it if you'd also give us a five-star rating if you're enjoying the show, and please review as well. Thank you for joining me today, everyone. On the show, we talk all about the Colts and the Houston Texans. To prepare for this game, I spoke with George Bremer of the Herald Bulletin and Anderson, as well as Rivers McCown from Football Outsiders and RiversMcCown.com. So stay tuned for those chats. Coming off of a really gross, terrible loss last week to the Titans, the importance of this game has been turned up a little bit for the Colts. They currently sit in the seventh and final playoff spot in the AFC with a record of 7-4. They've got the Raiders and Ravens right behind them, so they really can't afford to be losing games they should win, this one included. The Texans have had some significant items going on with them over the last few weeks as well, but we'll dive more into that here shortly. Before moving forward, let's hear from our sponsor. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. The Colts are currently three and a half point favorites on the road, with a total point over under of 50. Once again this week, I like the Colts, their points, and the over. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well, it never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all their great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Alright, for the game info, it is on Sunday, December 6th at NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas. It's on CBS again this week. Greg Gumbel, Rich Gannon, and Cherie Burris are on the call. On the radio locally, it's on WFNI and WLHK with Matt Taylor, Rick Venturi, Lara Overton, and Bill Brooks on the call. The referee crew this week is Scott Novak's group. Uh, He is in his seventh year as an NFL official. His crew actually calls the fewest penalties of any of the full-time crews at just nine calls per game. The flag happiest group, by reference, Carl Cheffers, his unit calls 16.8. Thank you to Rotowire for that information. All time, the Colts are 27-9 against the Texans, including 1-0 in the playoffs. The Texans won the last one in Week 12 of last season, but the Colts won the three matchups prior. Houston stat leaders passing the ball, Deshaun Watson, of course, 3,201 yards. Rushing is still David Johnson at 408 yards. Receiving is Will Fuller V at 879 yards. Touchdowns is also Fuller with 8. Their leading tackler is Zach Cunningham with 110. 
Their leading sacker is J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless. Both of them have four. Interceptions, J.J. Watt, Vernon Hargraves III, and Bradley Roby all have one. So yes, that means in total they only have three interceptions on the season. As for some team statistics that stick out, offensively the Texans are first in passing yards per attempt at 8.8. They're third in passing at 277.3 yards per game. They're fourth in turnovers with just 10. They're fourth in penalties with 54. Uh, They are sixth in interceptions thrown with just five. Uh, They're tied for 21st in sacks given up with 28. They're 27th in rushing yards per carry at 3.8. They're 31st in rushing at 83.9. Defensively, they are tied for first in penalties. They're 23rd in scoring allowed at 27.0 points per game. They're 23rd against the pass at 254.8 yards per game. 27th in their opponent's yards per pass attempt at 7.8. They're 28th against third downs at 48.3%. 30th in overall defense at 409.5 yards per game. 31st against the run at 154.7. Tied for 31st in opponent yards per carry at 4.9. And they are dead last in takeaways with just 8. Those numbers tell us that They don't get penalized much on either side of the ball. Offensively, they're very one-dimensional. They can't really run the ball, and if not for Deshaun Watson's legs, it would look even worse. Defensively, they can't stop much, but they're especially bad against the run. Uh, They don't turn the ball over much, but they especially don't take it away either. As for some Colts milestones within reach this week, uh, Phillip Rivers has kind of become the Adam Vinatieri this year, where every week is just something new. Uh, He needs one game with at least three touchdown passes to tie Dan Marino for the sixth most such games in NFL history. Uh, Marino has 62. Rivers also needs one game with a passer rating of at least 100 to pass Brett Favre for the fourth most such games in NFL history. Favre had 108. And uh, Rivers also needs one game with at least 400 passing yards to tie Ben Roethlisberger for the fourth most such games in NFL history. Big Ben has 12. T.Y. Hilton needs one touchdown to pass Dallas Clark for the sixth most receiving touchdowns in franchise history at 46, and he would also tie Joseph Adai for the 10th most total touchdowns in team history. Linebacker Darius Leonard needs three tackles to pass Jarrell Freeman for the second most tackles in a player's first three seasons in franchise history. Freeman had 366, and I'm sure Darius will probably have that by the first quarter. Uh, Kicker Rodrigo Blankenship needs seven points to pass Edron James for the third most points by a Colts rookie in franchise history, and nine points to pass Mike Vanerjack for the second most. Uh, James has 102, and Vanerjack had 104. Now, as for storylines, as always, we start with injuries. For the Colts, uh, defensive tackle DeForest Buckner, running back Jonathan Taylor, and defensive lineman Danico Autry were all taken off of the COVID list this week, so they should hopefully all be back in the fold. Left tackle Anthony Costanzo hasn't practiced this week and isn't expected to after suffering an MCL injury during last week's game. It looks like it'll be LaRaven Clark at left tackle with Braden Smith staying at right tackle. It's important to note that the main backup, Chaz Green, hasn't practiced all week yet with a back injury. Linebacker Bobby Okariki hasn't practiced with an ankle injury either, and he also missed last week's game. 
Safety Kari Willis hasn't practiced yet with back and quad issues. However, center Ryan Kelly did return uh, to full status both days so far this week after missing last week's game with a neck injury. Kicker, uh, kick returner Isaiah Rogers has been a full go all week as well after missing last week's game with a knee injury. Lastly, punter Rigoberto Sanchez announced that he was having a cancerous tumor removed on Tuesday, uh, which he reported afterward that went well, thankfully. Uh, the Colts did sign free agent punter Ryan Allen to the practice squad to prepare for time without Rigo. As for Texans injuries, uh, these aren't injuries, but Will Fuller and Bradley Roby, who is their top receiver and corner respectively, are now both out for the season after failing performance-enhancing drug screens. Lonnie Johnson will be counted on at corner in Roby's absence now especially, but he's been limited all week with a knee injury. Punter Brian Anger has been limited all week with a quad injury as well, and rookie defensive lineman Ross Blacklock has been out all week with an illness, as has running back and kick returner CJ Procise also with an illness. Fullback Cullen Gillespie has also had a back injury, uh, Houston could be getting their main running back, David Johnson, back from injured reserve this week, however. Next up, let's get into our conversation with Houston native Rivers McCown, who covers the Texans and more for RiversMcCown.com and Football Outsiders. Hey, Colts fans, I've got Rivers McCown here from RiversMcCown.com and Football Outsiders to tell us a little bit more about the Texans. How are you doing today, Rivers? Well, I'm a Texans fan, so every day is misery. But other than that, great. <laughs> oh, awesome, awesome. Uh, yeah, there's actually a lot going on with the Texans, of course, recently. You've got your your head coaching change, and then just within this last week, Will Fuller and Bradley Roby going out with PED suspensions. Um, you know, the, the Texans not doing so well this year, so not a lot of pub. How big of a deal are those two losses for this team? Well, Bradley Roby in particular is huge. Um they played without him in the Green Bay game and got torched by Devontae Adams. They really had no plan for defending him one-on-one. Um, at the same time, they played, I think, the Jaguars uh, after the bye with him taking a personal suspension, I guess. Hmm. And uh, that also did not go incredibly well. It led to Jake Luton passing for 200-plus yards. So I think that's the bigger loss. Wolfel is obviously the better talent, though, and uh, that will impact their kind of downfield plans, I think. Yeah, I mean, Kiki QT doesn't look like he's been a, a ton involved on offense this year, but the, the Colts have seen firsthand what he can do. Uh, are, are you expecting it to primarily be um, him? Who else could we expect to step up in, in Fuller's absence? Well, QT will be probably the slot receiver uh, mm-hmm. primarily. Uh, Stephen Mitchell's a guy with the like outside. Uh, hasn't seen a lot yet, but uh, definitely a guy who could come on. I think he's the most experienced guy they have. Uh, fifth round, Isaiah Coulter out of Rhode Island. Um, just got activated probably two or three weeks ago. And there are a lot of people who want to see him play. I don't know mm-hmm. if we're going to see a whole lot of, a lot of him, but my guess is those targets are really going to go to Jordan Aikens at tight end. I think he's the natural fit as far as the best receiver they've got left. I was kind of wondering about that. You know, there, there's a couple talented tight ends there. Do you expect it to be more of a tight end heavy approach moving forward also? Yeah. And all, all three of them have done relatively well this year too. Uh, Farrah Brown kind of came out of nowhere as a UDFA, uh, has one catch against the Patriots where he just ran over like five people <laughs> to get the first down. 
So he's had a really good year. Darren Fells has been solid, if not a good blocker or anything for, for a while now. So, yeah, I think you'll see a lot more uh, 12 personnel out of the Texans. Okay. And, and that offense, you know, with, with Bill O'Brien, you know, being out as head coach, have you noticed anything quite yet? Uh, any offensive scheme changes? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, when Bill O'Brien left, I think they got a little bit more clever with the running game. Uh, I think they stopped relying on it a little bit too much, too, which is what Bill O'Brien mainly did in the first four games of the season. And uh, Deshaun Watson has really taken off with those restraints on him. I mean, I don't know if people have been really following this outside of the Texans bubble, but uh, over the past, you know, since week five, he's got like the second best uh, uh, quarterback DR in the lead behind Mahomes. So, I mean, he's been tearing it up. I mean, <laughs> I think a lot of that is just leaving those kind of O'Brien constraints and, and kind of his regressive use of offense behind. Yeah, and, and there's been a lot of people who have wanted to see uh, Duke Johnson in more of a featured role for years. He's always been kind of the second fiddle. Not exactly the way you want to see it, but has he looked good in, in his opportunity to be the, the Texans' main running back? I mean, he's not he's not a good fit for the Texans do. Or uh, trying to do, I should say, in the interior, because they run a lot of inside zone. And since Carlos had left, they don't really have a back that does that very well. Mm-hmm. Um, he took advantage of his absence against Detroit to go, you know, outside as a receiver. And he played really well as a receiver, even drawing a DPI in the end zone, slow on the touchdown that everybody saw. So, I mean, let's, he, he's been really good there. I don't think as like a runner, he's been all that great. I think he's, he actually showed better tape last year. Uh, but, David Johnson coming off IR, probably going to take some snaps from him in this game, and that's sad for everybody. So you, you do expect that David Johnson might be back this week? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing how unfulfilling it is to mm-hmm. watch somebody play that poorly uh, when they also were involved in the worst trade in franchise history. Oh, God. yeah. <laughs> that, that one you've almost got to – you you almost can't even look at the compensation. You have to embrace it for what it is. I I would think, but no, that's uh that's tough. But at the same time, the the Colts without DeForest Buckner last week, I'm sure you saw what Derrick Henry was able to do. But big big difference between David Johnson and uh, Derrick Henry. Uh, someone I I saw you mention on Twitter, and it got me thinking. Anytime I've really seen the Texans uh, for the last little while, he kind of pops out. Tyrell Adams, uh, brief stint with the Colts. Is he kind of been a little bit of an unsung hero? Is, is he been a playmaker for you guys? So he's taken over inside linebacker duties uh, after Bernard McKinney went on IR. I think the way this works out because of the big contract that Zach Cunningham signed, uh, McKinney probably isn't going to be a Texan next year. Mm-hmm. So this has kind of Adam, been Adams' you know, chance to make an impact, make a lasting uh, debut, make an impression on some guys here. And he's played relatively well. He forced two fumbles against Detroit. That was kind of his best game. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, the interesting thing to me is that he's been, you know, wearing the mic. He's been the the dime linebacker even. So, like, Zach Cunningham, huge contract, not on the field on time. <laughs> right. That's an interesting one. So, uh, I mean, you can tell that they really have some trust in him, even though, you know, he has some limitations, as you'd expect from, you know, basically UDFA finally got a chance. Yeah, it's he kind of fell into a super deep group here. The, the Colts just kind of started loading up on a certain type of linebacker. And uh, from what I remember in training camp, he he did all right. But, you know, 
Darius Leonard, Anthony Walker, those guys. It, it is what it is. Uh, someone else I've been wondering about for the last, I guess, year. Uh, I was a big Kahali Waring fan coming into the draft. Him and Charles Amenahu, I, I wanted both of them to be on the Colts. Uh, what's I know Amenahu has had quite a bit more playing time, and Waring's been hurt and practice squad this and that. But what's what's the vibe on Waring? I guess from a general status moving forward, and then how is Omenahu look? I mean, Waring has kind of been a forgotten man, and mm-hmm. you know, I watched a lot, a lot of him coming out of San Diego State too after they drafted him. I'm like, you know, I can see how they would think this guy could be, you know, a good move tight end. I think he could, you know, has the body for that. Uh, hasn't worked out in the pros. I think he got four snaps against the, the, the Lions. And that was the first time he was really involved in a long time. Mm-hmm. But they were early snacks, at least. So, I mean, <laughs> they're thinking of him, I guess. But, yeah, it, it's it's weird because, you know, people who drafted him aren't here anymore. Um, all that's really left is Jack Easterby that, you know, really knows him as a, as a, as a player. And I think he's having a hard time, you know, getting any traction because Romeo Cornell has been very veteran-focused mm-hmm. this year. Yeah, I mean, he, he was a bit of a project, so if it wasn't going to work out, it's not totally shocking. Uh, but Omenahu has, did I see correctly, he's kind of locked down one of the primary rotational spots there on the line? Yeah, he's been getting a lot of play on passing downs. Um, the way it kind of worked out this year was interesting. They they bulked him up, mm-hmm. and uh, I think he was playing at like 290 to start the season, which is like plus 40 pounds, plus 38 pounds, something like that, from, mm-hmm. from his rookie year. And so they tried to make him a uh, a rundown player, and that didn't really work out very well. But the last couple of games, they brought him back to more of a passing role, and uh, he's getting more penetration. And you know, I think he kind of fits long term as an interior guy on passing downs. That's good. Yeah, he he just seemed like the, the Colts really like to get these big college defensive ends that they can kick inside to three tech and then play him inside and out. Nico Autry, Tyquan Lewis, like that. Amenahu really seemed to fit that mold. I just saw a lot of Autry in him, so it was, it was curious to see him go go to go to that system. Uh, but yeah, that's that's all I've got for you on this one. So your your work primarily is on Football Outsiders and RiversMcCown.com, is that right? Yep, I do a couple other freelance things along the way too. But uh, RiversMcCown.com is where my text and stuff is, and wrote uh, for the Athletic for about a year and a half. Oh, cool. Uh, awesome. Been, been doing football outsiders since 2010. <laughs> it's been a long time, man. Yeah, they, they've got some foot soldiers there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, thanks. Uh, thanks so much for joining me. Glad to have you on. All right. Have a good one. Yeah, take care. Thanks again to Rivers for joining us and sparing the pain of talking about his Texans. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Rivers McCown. He brings great Texans content, but he also doesn't just talk about the Texans, so he's got a little something for everyone on there. In this game on the offensive side of the ball, let's hope the Colts can do Sunday what they didn't get the chance to do last week, and that's pound the rock with Jonathan Taylor. This Texans defense is weak sauce against the run, and the Colts should be able to establish themselves with Taylor and Naheem Hines, both as runners and pass catchers. In the receiving game, of course, T.Y. Hilton has the long history in Houston, where he averages 5.4 receptions for 115.1 yards and has scored seven touchdowns in nine career games down there. However, per usual, I think it'll be something where Phillip Rivers spreads the ball around and takes what the Houston defense gives him. He could throw for 300-plus yards, but there may not be one guy who dominates the targets. 
I think play action could be big in this one if the Colts can establish the run. Defensively, of course, the Colts will be pretty much at full strength now that DeForest Buckner is returning. However, uh, having Danico Autry is big as well. I think Kamoko Ture could play more in this game as well after seeing 10 snaps in his season debut two weeks ago and just four last week. It makes a lot more sense for him to, to play this week. You know, you don't really want to have a speed rusher like him facing Derrick Henry, but this week makes a lot more sense again for him. It's a speedy quarterback in Deshaun Watson, and their offense is more pass-based. I'll be interested to see if the Colts can force some turnovers in this game and put some pressure on Watson. He hasn't thrown a pick since week five, and he hasn't quite been getting sacked at his usual rate the last four games or so either. In the last three games, the Colts have failed to force a turnover in two of them, and they only had one sack each in the three matchups. We've got yet another new segment here this week called the Four Horsemen. It's kind of like the individual matchups that I had been looking at, but instead it'll look at who I think might be the four most important Colts players this week. Quarterbacks don't count because that's just too easy. First up is right tackle Braden Smith. We already know that LaRaven Clark is in for a hell of a battle on the left side in Anthony Costanzo's absence, so it would be important regardless for Smith to do his part. However, you now add on top of it that he's going to get J.J. Watt as his primary assignment because Watt primarily lines up on the left side of that defense. And he's still been playing like his old vintage self a lot of the time. Next up is running back Jonathan Taylor. I think the best formula for the Colts to win this game is establishing the run, and I think they need to do it with Taylor and really get him rolling. He does really well as a pass catcher as well, so I think I'd give him 25 touches in this game if he's performing well. Next is linebacker Darius Leonard. Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson just lost his top receiver in Will Fuller, so there's even more pressure on his shoulders now. He's been running a little more lately, and that could be even more so the case now without Fuller. Leonard will have his eyes glued to Watson, and those two always seem to play each other really well. Leonard's never had the benefit of facing Watson with a guy like Buckner in front of him either. In four career games against the Texans, Leonard has 41 tackles, two for loss, two sacks, one forced fumble, one interception, two pass breakups, and two quarterback hits. The last up is free safety Julian Blackman. He's the team's free safety, but he's very instinctual and will fly downhill to make plays close to the line of scrimmage. This especially goes for if Kari Willis is unable to play. This can be important when defending Watson when he leaves the pocket or in defending David and Duke Johnson as pass catchers. Watson also leads the league in yards per pass attempt, so Blackman will be big in keeping those pass plays in front of him. And now we switch up the mood a bit with the fantasy segment. This week on AllColts.com, just like last week, I'm highlighting the pairing of Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines at running back, as well as Michael Pittman Jr. at wide receiver in the Colts defense. As long as no one comes down onto the COVID list within the next day or two, I think I'm good there. Hines has been a huge part of the offense lately and faces a vulnerable defense. Taylor is back this week as well, and it'd be wise for the Colts to get him rolling. Both of them catch the ball as well, so that obviously adds points in PPR formats. Pittman didn't put up big fantasy numbers last week, but he did have a single-game career-high nine targets, which is big for me. His arrow continues to point up. 
As for the Colts' defense, they've come down to earth the last few weeks, but have remained awesome in the second half, halves of games, and that includes last week in a whooping against the Titans. They're facing an offense this week that has almost no run game and just lost their top pass catcher. Plus, the Colts have Buckner and Autry back, which is big. Across the league, the booms I've got for this week are Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins versus the Jaguars, Rams receiver Robert Woods versus the Cardinals, and Dolphins wide receiver Devontae Parker against the Bengals. Potential busts, Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson versus the Colts, Washington running back Antonio Gibson versus the Steelers, Cardinals wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins against the Rams. Guys I'm adding this week who are owned in 40% of less of leagues, uh, Yahoo leagues that is, uh, Packers wide receiver Alan Lazard again, Colts receiver T.Y. Hilton, Rams running back Cam Akers, thank God they're they're finally starting to give him more of a chance, uh, Colts tight end Trey Burton, and Jets wide receiver Brashad Perriman. Next up, let's go ahead and get into our second interview of the show with good friend George Brimmer of the Herald Bulletin in Anderson. All right, Colts fans, I am here with George Brimmer of the Herald Bulletin. How are you doing today, buddy? Great. Glad to join you, Jake. Good to talk to you again. Absolutely. It's first time, first time seeing you this whole year. It's it's not right. <laughs> no, we should, should have spent all of August together. God, I know. Yeah, Talking in the press box about draft prospects before games, it's just it's a heartbreaker this year. Uh, but we are here to talk a little bit about this week's matchup, Colts and Texans. Uh, on paper, the Texans is a little bit more of a beneficial matchup uh, for the Colts if they're still going to be a little bit shorthanded. Uh, do you see it that way, or is it something they still need to be extremely cautious in approaching this game? Yeah, I'll, I'll be terrible here and sit on the fence, but I, I do mostly <laughs> see it that way. Uh, I just think anytime you've got J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson on the other side, you, you don't want to get too comfortable. I mean, those two guys are always capable of taking over a game and, and changing it on their own. Uh, but this is this is a shorthanded Houston team as well. I mean, everybody knows they released Kenny Stills, and then a couple of days later they find out that Will Fuller's got a suspension. He's done for the year. Uh, it's hard to imagine. You've got Brandon Cooks and you've got Kiki Cote, who seems to have huge games against this, this Colts team. <laughs> Uh, but it's a tough situation for Deshaun Watson right now, especially when you got the 31st ranked running game and, and an offensive line that still is having trouble keeping him upright. Yeah, Bradley Roby getting the uh, PED suspension as well. So really, their top receiver and corner out in the same week. That's that was the kind of instant impact stuff we saw kind of with the Colts last week. Uh, but speaking of players like that, uh, DeForest Buckner still on the COVID list currently as we talk on uh, Thursday afternoon. If we clearly saw that it was a huge issue with him not being out there against Tennessee. Now, Duke Johnson is not Derrick Henry, obviously, but uh, are they, are they okay if, if he remains out on Sunday still? I think you'd obviously rather have him. I mean, I think that's pretty clear after the Tennessee game. I think getting Denico Autry back as they will, he get activated here earlier today. Uh, that's going to be a help. And, I, and it'll be interesting to see if they maybe move him into that three-technique spot on Sunday if the force can't go, leave uh, uh, Muhammad in, in Houston at end. I'm not sure what they're going to do. They've got a lot of options there and how to handle that. But that was one of the problems. You, you had you tried to go big in the first half with Grover Stewart and, and Taylor Stallworth, and it just didn't work. You know, I don't know what does against Derrick Henry, honestly, outside of maybe 
building a brick wall there. You know, he, he's going to get his sometimes anyway. Uh, not playing him, as you mentioned, I think it's going to be good for the team to begin with. That's that's one bonus. Duke Johnson's not Derrick Henry. Uh, but I, I do think Autry coming back will help this team. Uh, and it's a more normal, quote unquote, that line, you know this as well as anybody, that line that played against Tennessee had never played together. Mm-hmm. That particular version had never been together. This would not be the case. If Autry came back in and played in that three technique, it would just be basically last year's defensive line all over again. They at least have some history together. I think that alone would be beneficial. Yeah, and it's with with people like DeForest Buckner being out, Nico Autry being out, it really shines a positive light on Chris Ballard liking those big defensive ends that can kick inside Tyquan Lewis as well. And, you know, as you were mentioning that and, and talking about that line hadn't been together, they're obviously trying to work in Kamoko Toure. Uh, he's not the guy you really want out there and run defense anyways. And that's what Tennessee with the big lead, they were able to do it the whole time. So his snap share wasn't quite what it was the week before. But, yeah, that's uh, that's interesting how stuff like that gets affected. Uh, now, some some other guys who are out, Anthony Costanzo nor Chaz Green have practiced this week. Chaz Green, you wouldn't normally think that's a big deal, but maybe this week it, it kind of is. Um, with that considered, are you more of the persuasion of Braden Smith kicks over to left and then Laraven is at right or vice versa? Yeah, it's going to be tough. There's no question about that. Uh, I would move Braden Smith, but I don't think the Colts are going to do it. All the indications that we have, uh, most most notably was Quentin Nelson today in, in his media availability repeatedly talking about the Raven looks better in practice, the Ravens done this. It really sounds like they're going with him on the left side again. And, and I just think uh, that's been such a huge challenge for this team. You go back to the Cleveland game and how bad things were on offense that day with, with the Raven at left tackle. And then the, the, the stark contrast on Sunday, two touchdowns with Anthony Costanzo, and then you punt on the next five drives as soon as he leaves the game, not counting the one kneel down at halftime. It was very clear Philip Rivers wasn't as comfortable in the pocket. Very clear he, he started rushing things a little bit more than, than he had been, speeding up that internal clock. I think that that's going to be a huge challenge again against the Texans. It helps that Bradley Roby's not going to play. It helps that really outside of J.J. Watt, there's not a lot up front on Houston that, that really concerns you. But the chances of J.J. Watt taking over the game go up when the offensive line has the issues. One good thing for the offensive line is it looks like Ryan Kelly will come back. I thought Danny Pinner, all things considered, first ever game as a center at any level, did a really good job. Uh, but you're getting back maybe the best center in the NFL, certainly one of the top five or six. Uh, I think that'll be a good thing for this team. Yeah, it's it'd be one thing if Smith was like a Pro Bowl level guy for a few years, but he's still kind of – I don't want to say fragile. It seems it seems too low of a word, but he's still earlier in his development too. So it could be a train wreck moving him from right side to left. You know, at least Laraven has starting experience there uh, when needed. And and going going on to to another hot topic of the last week, you and I are no strangers to presenting interesting solutions to things while watching. <laughs> Rakusen, um he he has a little bit of a, a penchant to get on a roll of penalties. When they when they come, they come a lot normally. For the sake of trying to break a habit, would it be good, do you think, to 
literally set him up with these huge mitts to where you you can legally use your hands but not grab. Like, is that is that out of bounds? I think you're at the point now where I don't think anything's out of bounds. I mean, I know mm-hmm. that I thought he was very interesting yesterday when he talked to us because he took ownership of what he's doing. But he also said, look, last year I was out of position. Last mm. year, I would lose early in the down. I'm grabbing to make up ground. This year, I'm where I need to be. I just need to be less aggressive in, in, in what I'm doing. And I think that's where what you're saying would address that specific thing. You've got to realize, hey, I can't get into a hand fight with this guy and hook him. I can't get my body too far into him. You know, and it, I think anything that you could do right now, you almost wonder if maybe give him some clubs, you know, let him play. Yeah. Like, like you do when you have a broken thumb and, and see how it goes. They've got to do something there because uh, those penalties are, are starting to, to rack up again. And obviously, I mean, the, the go-ahead drive, the game ends up being out of hand anyway. But the go-ahead drive that kept Tennessee ahead for good, he extends it twice. Once in the red zone and, and once at 38-yard line with penalties on third down. Yeah, I mean, shoot, it, sometimes maybe it's like a three- or five-yard penalty. Sometimes it could be a 50-yard penalty because pass interference doesn't have a limit really. Um, but no, it's it just, it's like a muscle memory thing, you know, like it's not totally illegal to use your hands, so it's fine, but you just, you know, if you get caught grabbing and referees are going to know which guys have more of a, more of a, a, a track record for doing that. Uh, I really had one more. That too. What's that? He mentioned that too. Yeah. He said the referees, the media knows that I've got flags. Mm-hmm. I know it. The officials know it too. And they're watching more closely. Yeah, absolutely. That's I think that's when it can really just kind of spiral out of control. Uh, but my last one for you here, uh, what's what's your temperature on the Jacoby Brissett play package? Because it, it is working right now. It's basically been all runs. But he, that's the thing. He's not he's not Deshaun Watson or or Lamar Jackson. Any of these guys. He's I, he's got really average athleticism. Um, do you think it's going to run its course or do you think it's it's something quality that should stay? I think it, in some ways it already has run its course. Uh, I think that teams now kind of know what's coming. They've got to mix it up a little bit. Uh, but I also think it's good. I think it's good in moderation. Mm. I think if they do it once or twice a game, it, I think where the benefit comes in with, with this is, you know as well as anybody, it, it gives – teams something else they've got to prepare for during the week they've got to waste some time that they would be spending on philip rivers or michael pittman or jonathan taylor or whoever dealing with a jacoby Brissett package and i think that as much as anything is its benefit that and you've got a quarterback in rivers right now who's dealing with toe injury uh who's even less mobile than he normally would be so bringing jacoby in and, and having first of all the quarterback sneak be a part of the, of the game but having him at least keep a defense honest I think it's good in very limited roles I think sometimes they get a little too happy with it and then you see defenses getting ready and loading up and I think if he is out there there was one play I think it was against Tennessee it might have been against Green Bay it all kind of bleeds together at some point but there I think it was one play he was in there for where all he really did was hand off to, to Jordan Wilkins up the middle and I don't think there's any use in, in, in running the system that way. If that's all you're going to do, don't even bring him out there. Yeah, I just think at a certain point, it uh, there's just a threat that's not really presented. But like you said, if it if it causes the opponent to waste time throughout the week, then that's that's beneficial. But yeah, it's it's not like a 
teams, you know, teams take a whole year to figure out Lamar Jackson or like something like Jacoby Brissett, if it's like third and one, you know, he's probably diving forward. I, it seems like maybe there's a wrinkle there that they haven't put out mm-hmm. quite yet. That's still to come, but we'll, we'll see about that. But George, that yeah, is, maybe uh, there's more to do with it. That's a good point. You yeah, there, there goes, could but... be. Yeah. I, I mean, it seems like what they've got like four, four plays out of that. It seems but. Um, yeah, that's, that's all I got for you today, buddy. Appreciate you coming on. No pro- Apparently, my dog is ready for it to end. Hey, Tommy, shots. Yeah, uh, it seems sorry. like it's like read option right, read option left, quarterback sneak, and then draw. Like that's all the, you know. That's the entire package. Exactly. No worries on we'll the say. dog. My my dog here interrupts the podcast all the time, so it's <laughs> it's, it's actually welcomed. We like to hear from the dogs here. <laughs> Uh, it's good talking to you again. Uh, you know, hopefully we can do this more regularly here soon. Yeah, absolutely. You too, brother. Stay safe. Thanks again to George for hopping on the show with us. Uh, with me not being uh, around the team this year, I sure do miss that guy a lot. I tell you. Go ahead and follow him on Twitter at GM Bremer for a good time. And now it's question time, answering the questions you guys sent me on Twitter. First up is Andrew Miller, who by this point, he's he's just got to be an, an honorary co-host of the show. He said, with Rivers banged up with a toe, if he struggles in the first half, do the Colts pull him for Jacoby Brissett? Uh, I don't think so on that. I think Rivers, I mean, he'll play through pretty much anything. I remember a playoff game where I think it was against the Colts, honestly. Uh, he tore his ACL and played the rest of the game on it. But no, I, I, I think he'd have to be physically incapable of playing in order for the Colts to actually pull him. Next up is from UK Colts fans. Best guess at the starting offensive line against the Texans? Why the very small snap count for Teray? And who will be the Colts starting quarterback in 2021? Uh, first up, I think it's going to be LaRaven Clark at left tackle and then business as usual with Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Mark Glowinski, and Braden Smith from left to right. Uh, we could see a bit of both Danny Pinter and Jack Doyle as an extra blocker as well, considering they don't have their left tackle and they're playing J.J. Watt. As for the small snap count for Ture, uh, we kind of talked about it already, but I, I think I just think it was the matchup more than anything. Uh, you you want to go big and heavy against a team like the Titans, and Ture just doesn't really fit that. But I do think he'll play more this week. Uh, your last question was, who will the Colts starting quarterback be in 2021? Uh, if I was a betting man, I would still say Phillip Rivers. Um, yes, he, he's got his doubters here in the fan base, but I don't think he looks toast or anything like that. You know, I think he still looks capable. Uh, I think it's very likely that it's Phillip Rivers as the quarterback next year. You obviously have Jacob Eason you want to keep developing. And then I wouldn't be surprised if they drafted someone else as well. Uh, let's see. Next question is from Mario V. Barelli. What do you think in terms of a breakout game for Jonathan Taylor against the Texans? I feel the Texans are soft at the rushing attack and can be exposed by a running back like Taylor, especially since our left tackle position is now going to be filled by Clark. Uh, I feel like I say it all the time, but I like Taylor's chances this week. Yes, the Colts don't have Costanzo, but the Texans are really not good at stopping the run. If I were the Colts, I'd try pounding it with Taylor and giving him some passes as well. 
And then the last question for the week is, can the Colts win without Buckner? So this is already, you know, as Joey from Friends says, it's a moot point. It's like a cow's opinion. It doesn't matter. No, but uh, moot point at, at right now, Buckner's been removed from the list, but let's just run with it hypothetically and say that he didn't play. I'd say in this matchup, yes, they could have won without him. Uh, just because it's a totally different animal facing Derrick Henry like last week. This week, uh, the, the Texans' offensive line isn't... It's okay, but it's nothing really to write home about. And they don't have a guy like Derrick Henry. So, yes, uh, they, I think they would have been able to absorb this game without DeForest Buckner. Thank you guys for all your questions this week once again. And now the moment everyone's all been waiting for, my week 13 picks. So this week's picks, I've got New Orleans over Atlanta, Detroit over Chicago, Tennessee over Cleveland, Miami over Cincinnati, Minnesota over Jacksonville, Las Vegas over the New York Jets, Indianapolis over Houston, Los Angeles Rams over Arizona, Seattle over the New York Giants, Green Bay over Philadelphia, the Los Angeles Chargers over the New England Patriots, Kansas City over Denver, Pittsburgh over the Washington football team, Buffalo over San Francisco, and Baltimore over Dallas. That is all for today's show, everyone. Thanks so much for being with me as always. Please remember to subscribe to the show and rate us on iTunes. We can be found on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Believe in Colts, and me personally at Jake Arthur NFL on Twitter and Facebook, as well as Jake Arthur underscore on Instagram. My written work can be found on Sports Illustrated at AllColts.com. If you have any questions that you'd like me to answer on the show, please send them to me through email at BelieveInColts at gmail.com, or respond when I send out the call for questions on Twitter. This episode was brought to you by Bet Online. If you're interested in advertising on Believe Podcasts, please contact them at Believe.com. Or if you're just interested in advertising on this show specifically, just shoot me an email. You'll hear from us again after Sunday's game as we break down the action. Stay safe and have a great weekend. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.